the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Well, this is our school of prayer, as we all know. And what we do in our school of prayer is to learn how to pray. Is to learn effective prayer, prayer that is pleasing to God, prayer that is in accordance with the will of God. That is what we always do in the place of, uh, that is when we gather like this for the school of prayer. And um, today I'm going to, of course, the notice we sent out, title to this message, and the plague, how did I title it again? And the plague um, stayed, yes. And the plague stayed. And I think it's just good for us to just um, read where I picked that one from. Um, that's from the story of uh, um, Israel in the wilderness when they offended God. And the plague broke out. And um, well, Moses told um, Aaron what to do. And that caused the plague uh, to cease. Uh, let's read that from the book of um, Numbers chapter 16, from verse 41. Numbers chapter 16. Now on the next day, all the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, You are the ones who have caused the death of the Lord's people. They were referring, of course, to the death of uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Those who had a stimulated rebellion against Moses. It came about, that's verse 42 now, it came about, however, when the congregation had assembled against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. Then they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put in it fire from the altar and lay incense on it. Then bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath had gone forth from the Lord. The plague had begun. I need to read that again. That Moses said these things to Aaron. The reason is because Wrath had gone forth from the Lord. The plague has begun. Moses was saying to Aaron to hurry up. Then verse 47, then, Moses, then Aaron took it as Moses had spoken and ran into the midst of the assembly. For behold, the plague had begun among the people. So he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. He took his stand between the dead and the living, so that the plague was checked. But those who died by the plague were 14,700, besides those who died on account of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the doorway of the tent of meeting, for the plague 
had been checked or the plague had stayed. That's why I picked that um, um, caption from. Now, what I want to just quickly do today, okay, I'm going to do mostly teaching, especially because we are streaming this worldwide, and so our typical um, congregation for praying here, we are not um, so many. So we're going to do mostly teaching on prayer today, especially in light of what is going on in the world right now. And let me quickly say something here. It is so important for us to understand that the Christianity we practice is not a New Testament. What I mean is, it's not the last 27 books of the Bible Christianity. It is a Christianity from Genesis to where? To Revelation. The complete Bible. That's what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. Now, we are in the New Testament, all right? That's why I was careful to adjust what I was saying briefly. We are in the New Testament, but we are not practicing in Christianity that all the scripture we have is from um, uh, maybe uh, Matthew to uh, Revelation or from, from the book of Romans uh, to Revelations. No. The, what we are practicing is the whole counsel of God. I want to remind us of that fact. It's very important we don't, we don't forget it. Because sometimes... People have this, I'm sorry to use the expression, wrong conception. All right? I just, you know, sometimes you, when you say you are, uh, people are wrong, you are saying you are right, you say, well, are you sure? Well, that is the word of God. We're going to look at it. I, I hope you're getting my point here. People have this conception that um, there is a difference between the God of the Old Testament, they say, and the God of the New Testament. But I always like to correct that because it is not true. It is absolutely not true. When Jesus was on the earth, he was dealing with that same God that had been there from Genesis all the way to um, Malachi, okay, and he came in right, in his own life and began to show us the true face of that God. And of course, he was the manifestation of God on the earth. Please bear that in mind. Okay, so we're not dealing with, because I, I grew up under that influence also, people tell you that they give the impression that all you deal with is what is written in the New Testament. But it is not. The Bible makes it clear to us that those things were recorded for our learning. And it was speaking specifically about the things that happened in the wilderness, when Paul said that these things were recorded for our learning, all right? So we must learn the lessons we are supposed to learn from them. It's very important we get it, because if you, no matter how much you are convinced of something, all right, it is, what, what is important is that you, what you are convinced of is true. If it is not true, then you are deceived. If it is not true, you are deceived. So one of the things I pray to God for is, please, don't give me over to deception. It's very important because people who believe what is not true, they actually think they believe what is right. So that's why you have to pray that prayer all the time, that, Lord, please do not give me over to deception. What is deception? To hold firmly to something as true when the thing is actually false. Many people are deceived in this world today. In fact, we make a joke in my home about it, the kids and I. How did everything come into be? By accident. There is no God. You know it's a prevalent belief in many parts of the world. So how did everything start? He said it was a big bang. So my son said, I said, what is a big bang? After we discussed it once at home, what is the summary? He said, nothing, nowhere, no reason, no time, boom. And everything came into existence. That is his own definition of the big bang. And many people believe it. As ridiculous as it is, people believe it. I say ridiculous because it makes no sense that everything that has order came out of pure chance and disorder. It makes no sense. It absolutely makes no sense. But people believe it. That's what they call deception. The Bible says Eve was deceived. So it's possible to be deceived. And that's why we have to pray that we will not be deceived. It's a prayer I pray for myself all the time. I still pray this this morning. I still ask God because I see things going around. 
And I was telling my wife, I said, you know this man saying this thing, you know he believes it. I said, God, please don't give me over to deception. Now, so it's so important we get our doctrines right. Because if we don't get them right, we cannot pray correctly. If we don't get our doctrines correct, we cannot speak that which is true. We cannot get results in our prayers with God. Let me give you a very simple example. A, lot, a mistake a lot of Christians make is that there is this power we have, well, sometimes we carry our authority beyond where it really belongs. And then we start rebuking things that we have no power to rebuke. There are times we should be asking God for mercy. And instead of asking for mercy, we are rebuking something that's going on. Now, I use the word something briefly, okay? So I not to go ahead of myself. I want, us, I want to say something again, just to remind us. We've been discussing this again and again. And if anybody has been following us in our school of prayer, all our messages are, of course, up there on our website. They will have heard some of this that I'm saying. I've said it many times. Please, the God we are dealing with is not Father Christmas. The God we are dealing with, we did not invent him so that he has to feel, fit our concept of what God is supposed to be. The common thought about what God is supposed to be now, very common with us Christians, is that he is one person that hurts nobody. And anytime somebody gets hurt, we say it has to be the devil. And we say, so basically what we have done is to create everything that is negative and ascribe it to the devil. Let me give an example. Currently the world is going through a pandemic, and people have said things like, this is from hell. And I have a simple question. Why do you say so? Now, I'm not here right now arguing whether it's from hell or it's not from hell, even though I have my opinion and I'm going to share it as we go on. My simple question is, why do you say it's from hell? Why do you say it's from hell? Why do people say things like that? Because they believe that if something is killing many people, only the devil will do that. Again, let's quickly debunk that that cannot be true as a total statement. Because the highest number, if we talk about proportions as an example, of people that have been killed on this earth were killed by God himself. And the Bible made that clear. And what am I referring to? The time of um, the flood. God got up, told Noah, this is what I want to do. And now listen to this. He explained the reason. He explained it. It is because their hearts are so wicked. The depravity in their hearts, their character. They are worshipping other gods. They are wicked to other people. Make a long story short, these people are wicked. And for that reason, I'm going to destroy them. Another example. In the Bible, we have seen a time when four, well, those is they call them cities. They are, not, they are not as big as our cities of today, okay? But they were large towns. Four major cities were destroyed in one day or one night. Two of them, we know the names very well. Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't think we, can, we should argue. If anybody's arguing this, please switch off. You don't be listening to me. It was not done by the devil. We, we, you know, sometimes we consciously forget these things. Four major towns wiped out in one instant. And it was not done by the devil. We know who did it. In fact... The Lord came because sometimes he comes in human appearing flesh, all right, so what appears like human flesh, to visit the earth. And now let's, let me say this to you again. He does that all the time. I'm convinced you've been in church and he walked in and sat somewhere and the usher told him where to sit and he sat there. Recently I read a, a set of stories in which people 
described encounters with they were sure was the Lord. And in all of them, he came to check out their churches, what they were doing. And if you go and read Revelation, you see he used to do that. In that particular instance, he came with two angels, stopped by in the home of Abraham, and he said to Abraham, listen to this, will I hide from Abraham what the devil is about to do? Was that what he said? He said, will I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? I think we can solve that one easily. He was the one that came to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. It was his judgment. And those two angels that accompanied him, we are going to see it in a moment. Heaven has all kinds of angels. Now I'm going to use my own words to classify them. There's no way in the Bible where they are classified as I'm about to say. There are guardian angels. They guard and protect. They surround the people of God when they are traveling. They are warrior angels. Maybe they overlap. This one's they fight battles for the people of God. Okay? I believe they are angels that sing songs. <laughs> but then the one I want to talk about, there are angels that execute judgment. One of them took his sword one day and went into every house within the boundaries of Egypt that did not have the blood on the lintel and the doorposts. And he killed every firstborn. Let me ask you a question. Was that the devil or an angel? If you want to believe your Bible, it was an angel. And that angel went out. He had his instructions clear cut. You will get into every house. Don't check whether they are Jews or Egyptians. Just check for the blood. You check for the blood. If you don't find it, go inside. And there, you will be able to identify the firstborn. Kill him and go out. They woke up in the morning. Every household in Egypt and amongst the Jews that were disobedient to Moses, somebody was dead. Not two persons, one person, if it's just one household. Now, I'm going to explain something here. Those angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of them dragged Lot by the hand. That we can't do what we are supposed to do. Unless, they took responsibility. Sometimes we say that God only allowed. No, those angels were actively... Now, for, for those who want to know, one of them who just went and removed the cover of a volcano. Aimed it and released it into the air. And the magma, everything from the core of the earth erupted and rained on those four cities and killed everybody. And it was not the devil. Sometimes, you know what God says? Now, I want to say what God says before I say what I wanted to say sometimes. God says, my glory, I will share with nobody else. But you know what we have done? Sometimes we take his glory and give to the devil. Why? Because it doesn't sound nice to us. For example, we said, no, God left the devil to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, ah, why would I do that when I can do it myself? But we have this concept of God that doesn't hurt anybody. But let me say clearly again this evening, it is not true. He hurts people. He hurts people. He blesses and he curses. He said to Abraham, anyone that blesses you, what will I do? I will bless. And if the fellow decides to curse you, what will I do? I will curse. That's what he does. He curses people. 
He gets angry. Let me quickly say something. You know, Paul said these things, he said it in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, said it in Romans. These things were recorded for our learning. He said these people were baptized also into Moses, trying to draw a parallel between the church of today and the church in the wilderness, that is the Israelites. And he made it clear that with many of them, God was not pleased. So what happened? They were laid low in the wilderness. In this particular instance that we just read, I want to just ask us simply, you know, there's no catch to it. There's no need to ask. Let me just bring out the point again. Verse 46, because I read it twice then. It said, take your censer. It was saying Aaron, that's Moses, told him to hurry. And what was the reason? He said, for wrath had gone forth from who? From the Lord. Not from the devil. Wrath had gone forth from the Lord. Please, let's get that clear. Because I hear, you no know, things are going on around. I just, you know, I, I don't like to focus on it. But people have questions in their minds. And you have to answer some of them. Like I said, right now, I'm not even judging this particular one yet. Even though you will hear my opinion before I'm, I'm, oh, I, I'm, I'm done. But I want us to get some things clear. Let us not paint God the way he did not paint himself. Let's not take his glory. Because glory is not only what is good. Glory is whatever he did. For example, the glory for destroying, or let's, let's put it like this, the, the credit, yes, for destroying the whole earth minus the household of Noah. It goes to him. And he said, I will not share that with anybody else. I will not share with any graven image. And let me say it like this, I will not share it with the devil. When, you, when it comes to killing people on this earth, God has personally killed more people than the devil can ever achieve in, can I use the expression, in his lifetime. The devil can't come near. One day he too will be killed. If I, can, I, can I use that expression again? God will take him and all the sinners and put all of them in the same place. Jesus said that that place was prepared spe- specifically for the devil and his angels. But anybody that will walk with him, God will, and God will be the one to join. The devil is already being cast somewhere. So he doesn't have the power to cast anybody. Jesus said, don't be afraid of him that can kill the flesh. Who did he say you should be afraid of? The one who, after killing the flesh, will not cast the soul into hellfire. Please, let's, be, let's get this clear. About this, our God, you know. I keep on repeating these things because I feel that every time I get into discussions with people, there's this devil, 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 devil. We have to fight this. You know, like one man said, this devil is trying to do catch-up. Devil, I said, I'm not saying it's not the devil. I've not gotten to that point yet. Okay? But let's settle on something that no, nobody in his right men and spiritual senses should be able to disagree with me. This, this is scripture. I've had discussions with people who say that uh, Jesus never dealt with the New Testament. I say, hey, which New Testament are you reading? Because, please open your Bibles. I want to, to read something. Now, last time I checked, I don't know about your Bible. My own Bible, Revelation was in the New Testament. What about your Bible? It is. In Revelation, Jesus was alive having risen from the dead. And he was the one commanding the things happening in Revelation. Am I telling the truth? 
Because somebody said that Jesus never hurt anybody. I said, but he told them, I am going to kill this woman's children. And she herself, I will cast on the bed of affliction. The only thing he's saying is that all of you have an opportunity to repent. That was what Jesus said. Quickly, let's open our Bible to that revelation. I want to show something there. Sometimes we, we, we practice our Christianity with tradition that we don't even know where it started from. We just make up our minds what we want to believe, and then we hold on to it and argue with it. There are people who still insist till today that God never causes sickness. I say, eh, he doesn't. So who blinded Saul? He says the glory of God. So it's the glory of God that causes sickness. Fine, let's leave it like that. Who blinded Saul when he was pursuing, uh, when, when, on the way to Damascus? I hope you're getting my point. I said, Haba. What are we saying? <laughs> Revelation chapter 8, please. Before I read this, let me quickly introduce this for people who may be asking these questions. Is God not a good God? He is a good God. But more importantly, is that He's a just God. He's a judge of the living and the dead. I hope you're getting my point. We, need to, we have to explain that properly. And then next, let me emphasize again. There is a difference between God the judge and the God that, let me put the expression, use the expression, that loves people. It's the same God, but what he is doing at each point in time, you must understand the role he's performing. Because there are many roles that he performs. There are many functions you will find some, many parts of this God, many parts of his character. For example, we know he blesses people. But we also know he judges. It's just like a father. A father will be at home taking care of his children. Then he goes to court. If they arrest his son and bring to his court for overspeeding, the boy has to be fined. The man can leave the place and go and pay the fine. I hope you're getting my point here. Because God the Father is a function. God the judge is another function. Now, as a drawdown from that, let's remember, we've discussed this many times here before. For those who may not have heard us teach it, there is a difference between the will of God and the judgment of God. And when I say judgment now, I don't mean the negative judgment. What I mean is this, just judgment. That is like, what is his decree? Judgment is a word we use when we are talking about him as the judge. So if he sits down and he says, you have been put on a scale and you are found wanting, then you lose your kingdom. And that's what happened to Belshazzar. That's judgment. It was starting in Israel and he was looking for a king. And he got to the house of Jesse and everybody began to pass before him. And he explained to um, Samuel, I do not wish to waste your time, but I want you to understand that this was how everybody passed before me. Because he said, I have rejected him. I have not chosen him. And those were words he used before he finally got to David. That's God the judge. And when you say you are rejecting somebody, it means you considered him. I hope you're getting my point. God didn't just walk into the house and pick David. First thing he did was to consider his elder brothers. And that was what he did. He considered the older families before he got to the house of Jesse. But as judge, he weighs one thing and another and comes forth with a decree. And listen to this. 
He's always just. He never makes a mistake. He's always fair. Everything he does is always right. That's the way he is. That's what it means to be God the judge. Now, listen to the next point I want to remind us of. Many times he decrees that which is not his will. The mistake people make is that when you say God kills, they say it is not the will of God for him to kill. Yes, it's true. It is not his will, but it's his judgment. If somebody does what is deserving of death, God will kill him, even though the Bible says clearly he does not want anyone to perish. What is the will of God? Nobody should perish. What is God's ideal? That's, let's use a, a simple word. God's ideal is that nobody should perish. Everybody should come to the knowledge of what? Truth. They should come to the knowledge of light. That's what God wants. That is what he wants. And that is what the Bible calls his will. Let me give an example. I like this one. So it's a beautiful example. For time's sake, we may not... Okay, let's just read it. I said we should put somewhere, right? Revelation chapter 8. Okay, please. Just put a mark there. We'll get back there in a moment. But I just want to quickly use um, something to illustrate what God does. First Chronicles chapter 10. I want to just show us something here. Well, let's not um, spend too much time, but we know the story here that um, in that chapter 10, Saul died that particular day. In verse 4, he was injured, so he, he tried to end it by himself. Let's make a long story short. Now, when the scribes were going to summarize everything, look at what they said in verse 13. So Saul died for his trespass which he committed against the Lord because of the word of the Lord which he did not keep. And also because he asked counsel of a medium, making inquiry of it, and did not inquire of the Lord. Next line. Therefore, he killed him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. Who killed Saul? Answer me. Therefore, he killed him. It was God that killed Saul. It was not the devil. But the question I was, I, I was referring to earlier is that, was that the will of God? The answer is what? No. I like the New Living Translation. It says, so the Lord killed him. It's so clear. People have said the Lord allowed him to be killed. I say in that case, he also allowed the kingdom to be turned over to David. Let's not be ridiculous. The same way he killed Saul by his deliberate action was the same way he turned the kingdom over to David. Please, I'm begging you Christians. Don't try and make a caricature of our God. Don't make a mockery of him. Because it's one major reason the world does not fear him. So when calamity happens, they come to ask, where was he? After it's our it is our defender, Voltron. Defender of the universe. He's supposed to ride through the skies. And he does that. The Bible says he does that. But we expect that he will do it every time we are in trouble. Voltron. Defender of the universe. So that when earthquake is starting, he will suddenly come and hold the earth. Don't quake there. Who told you to quake? Nobody should die. So when a plague arises, he must quickly release treatment. Give them wisdom and stop the plague all of a sudden. The question we need to ask ourselves once in a while, let us assume, let's be, look, listen to this, let us assume God released a plague, and he did at the time, 
in Israel. What happened? David sinned. And what did God say to David? Let's remind ourselves. He gave him three options. First option, three years of farming. Second option, three months running before, the, before your enemies. And the last option, he said, three days in the devil's hands. He said, in my hands, not the devil's hands. Three days. And David was very wise. <laughs> he said, my enemies, they don't have mercy. If God, and please, I'm going to explain that in a moment. Because one of the things I want to explain to the people of God is the meaning of God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Because people have used that one to prove that, you see, only the devil causes what? Sickness. Because Jesus went around healing those who were oppressed of the devil. So every sickness is an oppression of the devil. So God never does anything like that. That scripture will explain it. Because he said he healed all who were what? Oppressed of the devil. This is the question. If God had committed somebody to death, would Jesus have healed him? The answer is no. He won't go against himself. Let me give this is what I wanted to say. When David sinned, and God said three days, of course, the prophet went back and said, The man said three days in your hands. <laughs> what happened? An angel was released. Again, it was not the devil. Neither did that angel come from the pit of hell. Unless you don't believe your Bible. Which is a sad side. Many Christians don't believe the scriptures. They rewrite it until it says what they want. What he said clearly was an angel was released. And that angel began to kill. Now, he killed a total of about 70,000, right? In about a day and a half. Now, the end, by the middle of the second day, when it got to that, this is where I was going, before I even talk about that in details. Could anybody have rebuked that angel, no matter the power you had? What did David do to make the angel stop? He turned to God and kept on begging. In fact, at the point I told God, say, Lord, okay, say, you say you want to avenge, there's no problem. But these people, were they the ones that sinned? Now, of course, there are so many things in the scriptures, because some people are asking, so why did God do that? Actually, I don't have time now. I have the answer for you. I just don't have time to go into it. Why did God take those people when they were not the ones that sinned? The point was that David interceded. Let's summarize it. And God looked at Jerusalem when the angel was about to enter Jerusalem. And he said, it's enough. Now listen to this. He now said, I will now accept a sacrifice. That was when he said, David, go and offer a sacrifice. My emphasis again is this. Was that a demon from the pit of hell? Answer me. It was not. Wait, some people may disagree. You can hold your opinion. I'm just giving you what the Bible said. I've refused to rewrite it. I've refused to alter it. I've given to you straight. Because looking at other scriptures, like the one we just read now, that this angel, he said, Ross had gone forth from the presence of God. And how he stopped it was to, let me just use an expression, offer a sacrifice. Basically, he took an incense from the altar. He, put, um, he took something from the altar, put it into his censer, okay? And then waved it. And that has a lot of spiritual uh, significance. 
which we'll talk briefly, uh, talk briefly about. It had to be, it had to do with the mercy of God, which is, which is expressed when blood is shed from those sinless sacrifices that he gave to them. But the point I want to make is that it was not from the devil. The devil has his own problems. It, it causes some problems and he does. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm just trying to balance something for us. It is not every time you see trouble, you start rebuking the devil. You have to ask yourself, what is going on? At least ask that question. Ask the question. Assuming you're an evangelist, you traveled, you came back, and you saw Israel under the plague the first day, and you begin to pray. If God will answer you, what he will say to you is that David sinned, and this is what is going on. This is a judgment for the sin that David committed. And you will now join David in intercession and say, Lord, have mercy. And if you read the scriptures, okay, Maybe we'll continue talking about this, even if, 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 uh, if, if our time runs out today. No, my wife and I, yes, they will start down and begin to look and say, what were the things that people did to stop the plague that came from God anytime it happened? We began to look at it one by one. I, 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 we took examples from, I mean, I think we got about 17 examples before we stopped. Just looking for different things that people did. Different things that they did. Sometimes there was nothing they could do. God would say, it must run its course. There are times God will say, it must run its course. There are times God will say, offer a sacrifice. There are times somebody will just plead and say, God, please, like this kind of situation. There are times Moses will say, God will say, I want to destroy them. Moses will say, no, please. Basically, Moses Moses will be the intercessor. Many times, how would the plague end? Because there are different kinds of plagues. It's not always pestilence. Disease is pestilence. Plagues could be earthquakes, could be all kinds of things, could be famine. Many times, how will it end? It will be because Elijah will show up and say, Sure, you have suffered enough. <laughs> and they will say, yeah, Yes. Now, gather all the prophets of Baal. Let's have a contest. Then he will have, listen to this, he will have the people repent and he will have the land cleansed of their iniquity by killing all the false prophets. Then he will turn to God and then they will reverse the famine that had been going on for three years. I hope you're getting my point here. That is, how did he end that plague? It's simple. The people had to repent. He couldn't just go and say, God, it's enough. And then God said, no, 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 no. You know, there was a time Jeremiah was praying when God brought a serious one against them. God said to Jeremiah, say, Jeremiah, it's enough. This time around, I will not accept this prayer. If you like, go and wake Moses up. If you like, call Samuel. Let him come and join you in this prayer. I still would not listen. That's in Jeremiah chapter 15. I hope you're getting my point here. It's so important we get this point. Because many times what happens is that we are rebuking, we are facing the wrong enemy. Let me just summarize what I've tried to say. All right? Many times what we are facing in life, what we're experiencing, is what the Bible calls the judgment of God. I have not yet spoken specifically about what is going on. I want to just get our doctrines right. In life, sometimes what we are experiencing, what mankind is re-experiencing, is what the Bible calls the judgment of God. The Bible says, arise, O Lord, and judge the earth. He does it sometimes. It never looks nice. That's what people don't understand. Okay, I said we should read something, right? Let's read it quickly. Revelation chapter 8. Because listen, if we don't get this right, eh, we'll just be wasting our time. Praying prayers that have no meaning. 
which God cannot answer. Not because he is not kind or is not willing to answer people. But he says, how am I supposed to answer this? They are not even praying to me. I sent them to Israel. They are rebuking the devil. He said, you did not talk to David. Say, why did you sin? Revelation chapter 8. I want to just bring out something here. All right, please, sorry. It's chapter 9 I'm going, okay? Chapter 8 is just, um, okay, let's just read straight in chapter 9. I'll just read that chapter 9, all right? Let's start from verse 13. Revelation chapter 9 from verse 13. Then the seventh angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. Now, let me just quickly say this. Pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. We have not seen anything, no. Did you hear what I said? We have not seen anything. Pandemic, pandemic. We have not seen anything yet. If we see real trouble, look at what is going on here. It said these people are going to kill how many people? One third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horsemen were 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates, the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. Now, why I read all of this is this verse 20. It said, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. I'm just going to stop reading here. There's a reason why I read this. Please follow me. The reason is simple. I've established, first thing I did was to establish for us to see that please, we should stop ascribing everything that looks like calamity to the devil. Let's remember, please, this is the word of God. God arises and he judges the earth. And when he does, he does not need the devil. He's not afraid to kill. He's not afraid to destroy. He's not afraid. But I said earlier, that is never his will. Anytime it happens, it is his what? Judgment. It is a decree that came forth from him because people did things that you know, that crossed the bounds, the boundaries. They triggered his judgment. For example, the whole earth did it at a time. 
And God said, I have no choice. It's not my will. But I'm going to kill everybody. But I'll save Noah and his family. And that's what he did. There was a time he entered into Israel. And he said, I'm going to, Judah actually specifically, I am going to destroy everybody. But then he first told an angel, go out and go and mark everybody who is sighing and groaning. What he does many times is to mark people he wants to exclude from his judgment. But please, I am, and he, not just me, he is tired of people pretending like he does not judge. You actually lie to people. When you stand on the pulpit and every time ascribe every negative thing to the devil, the devil, the devil, many times you take the glory of God and give to the devil. And I have a warning for preachers. Don't stir up rebellion against God. What do I mean rebellion? Go on the story of some prophets like this. There was one particular guy who was speaking against Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah said, he said, no, this will not happen. This one will not happen. This one will not happen. And Jeremiah said, well, I pray that what you are saying will happen just the way you have said it. He said, but as a matter of fact, let me just explain something to you. God has spoken, and you, for staying up rebelling against God, you will die. And precisely what he said was what happened. The man died. I'm going to emphasize something here. It is so crucial we settle down, put our heads together, and ask what is going on. Some people say that they are decreeing that this pandemic must stop. I have no problem with your decreeing anything. I want to know the basis upon which you are decreeing. I need to ask you a simple question. Has the judgment of God been served if he's the one judging? If you say he's not the one, just give me the proof. I'll be on your side. But to just blanket through everything at the devil, your Christianity, I'm sorry, is not, is not balanced from the scripture. It's not. Let me remind us of who Jesus is. Go and read Revelation. You'll see him describe himself. And in Revelation, most of the things he did was to threaten people. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your candlestick. There was a time we were making so much noise, forwarding a lot of rubbish around, around the fact that Turkey was a Christian country. But because they were not politically astute, they are no longer a Christian country, they are now a Muslim country. And when we didn't say it like that, the, politi- the, the political side, we implied it. So Nigeria will need to gather votes, do this and that. I said, listen, what's all this noise about? Why did they lose their candlesticks? Why don't they read the Bible? God said there were works they were doing. They were not doing them anymore. There were wrong things they were doing. There was, pro- I mean, Nicolaitans was prospering amongst them. Doctrine of Balaam. Jezebel became a prophet. And this day we have a lot of jokers who call themselves prophets. And listen to me. If the church will not denounce those people and preach the truth, they are the reasons why you will lose your candlesticks. Jeremiah, I said Jeremiah, Jezebel was going to have churches closed. And the reason was that they were tolerating her. They were not necessarily doing what she was doing. But for tolerating Jezebel, Jesus said, I will close you guys down. And some of our nations, better, look, better let's settle down and start judging rightly. And when you have judged correctly as believers, as pastors, Stand up boldly and tell people, that man is fake. When you are doing it, you are, listen, you are saving your life. People start telling you, who are you to judge? One man wrote me a mail one that said, I called the prophet fake. And I can see it. I said, the man is fake. He's, how can I say that? I said, don't you, don't you have a Bible? You never heard of false prophets? 
These are the people that pollute the land, and God will look at these people. Are you going to do anything about it? They say, no. So I'm closing everybody down. Next time, government will roll out a decree and say, no churches again. They will now say, hey, they are persecuting us. Jesus will say, I gave you the time to rearrange your house. Yeah, you said, no, 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 no. Yeah, you shouldn't criticize. You could not criticize. You should not criticize. Jesus said, no problem. You are tolerating Jezebel. There are pastors that invite Jezebel to their church because anytime Jezebel comes up, they raise money. And in case you have deliberately invited those Jezebel spirits to your church to come and collect money from your member members, listen to me. This is the word of God. You are about to close down. Listen, there's no forgiving it. Except you go back to that spot because you can remember and say either to the church members or to the elders that you respect, say, I'm sorry. Otherwise, the Lord will close you down. He has to close you down so his church can survive. We tolerate Jezebel's. They will not turn around. When Jesus says, I'm removing your candlestick, you turn around to politicians who will not let you have peace. Every little thing done against you is because we are Christians. We are being persecuted. Jesus said, when they did not persecute you, when I allowed you to open church anyhow, whether you went to Bible school or not, you can open the church. Go to the what call, uh, see, uh, Corporate Affairs Commission of Nigeria. They said Nigeria has over 22,000 registered denominations and asked about two years ago. God said, I left you people. You can collect iron roofing sheets with some pieces of wood, knock them together. Start clapping there. Government will even respect you and say it's a church. They will leave you. God said, listen, I have left it like that for a long time. One day I will cause it to stop if you don't stop, stop tolerating nonsense. You will start calling people names by that time. But understand, I am the only one that can close a church. No human being can. If I don't close a church, if a human being tries to close it, I will kill him and kill his children. That, listen, let me tell you something. That is what the Jesus I know does. I've heard people tell me before that uh, maybe some people don't like you. They are plotting against you. I, 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 in fact, the day somebody told me this, I burst into laughter. He did not know why I was laughing. The Bible said, tremble, O earth, before the Lord. I realized that if what you are saying is true, people are just putting their lives in jeopardy for nothing. So I can't believe it because I don't want them to die. I burst into laughter when I was told. I said, leave that thing. Is the man still breathing? Yes, there is not. He didn't do it. Because the God I said, he will give human beings, give their lives as ransom for me. If you think your head is too big, you want to chop my little finger, God will kill you, your wife, your children. Wipe out your family because no banker's finger must be complete. And that's one person. And I'm not joking about what I've said. I am not joking about it. I mean it literally. That's why I don't have time to pray, die by fire prayer. It's a, jo- it's a waste of time. If you know the God you are serving, you won't want him to die anybody by fire. You wouldn't want him to do it. Go and, go, go and read the story of Korah, Datan, and Abiram. You think it has stopped? <laughs> Many years ago, I remember once I went home, my mother told me a story. Some, not the story, something that really happened. I was just asking about people. Ah. He said, you didn't hear? He said, the man is dead. I said, what happened? Ah. He said, well, he had a small fire accident in the house. They took him to hospital. He got tetanus and he died. Then she said, hmm, when he was fighting that evangelist, I knew something was wrong. 
I know what the issue was. The man was tearing up rebellion against God. He claimed to be a Christian. God ended him. And don't tell me he was not a Christian. Just the, like the lie we like to preach. That uh, Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. They were Christians. They gave their lives to Christ. They were baptized. They came to church and lied about money. God killed the two of them. No, the truth, we don't fear God. That's our problem. We don't. We don't. And let me tell you the truth, eh? This season, the fear of God must start. And you know the way he will do it? He will start making people examples. I have no... Last year, I began to preach this. I did... I, now I'm convinced more than ever before that the wrath of God is going to be poured out. And anybody who does not want to participate in his wrath had better watch out. Cleanse yourself of all your iniquity. Repent of, of all your evil deeds. And stop tolerating rubbish. If your pastor makes you do rubbish, leave the church. He is not God. He cannot remove divine protection from your head. That is how they lie and threaten the people of God. One day a man left a major church in, in, in Nigeria. His father told him that you cannot leave this church and prosper. So he panicked and wrote. No, he called. So they told me, said, look, somebody's called and said this. So I just mentioned two, one or two big people in Nigeria. I said, go and tell him that that's the church they came out of. Nothing will happen. Your general overseer or archbishop is not God. There is no human being alive on this earth that is an equal with Christ Jesus. You can walk out of any church anytime. Nothing will happen. As long as you are not dis- displeasing God. If a man tells to do what is wrong, get up and walk out because you are about to participate in his judgment. Many, many of you know the story I'm about to tell. Many years ago, somewhere around us, a boss full, full, listen to this, a boss was full of church people. They were going for a program. There were two pastor, young pastors inside. The driver was overspeeding. I think he had the bus tire. The bus flipped over severally. Killed the two pastors. Nobody else was injured. No, and there's no serious injury. Nobody else died. Nobody else. This is like a 14 or 16 seater bus. Full. And these two young men did not sit next to each other. I don't know what I get my point. It's not as if the two of them were sitting in front. No. The two of them died. The story is that, when I heard the story later, the young man before, a few weeks before, had been shaking his head that he, he wants to leave this church. I remember him very well. Vibrant, anointed young man. You want, you want old prophets to kill you. <laughs> I told one brother one day, I said, the way you are doing gra, 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 every time they want to tell lies to raise money, you are the one that goes to the front. I said, this is how people like you die. And I, I told him straight. I said, listen, I don't know, that you will be replaced. They will find another senseless human being like yourself who thinks pleasing a man is more important than pleasing God. They will put him in front, then he will die too. And there are so many moogles in the society. It's called, the, I call it the error of the old prophet. When God sends you somewhere, an old prophet starts telling you things against the expressed, expressed will of God. You think you will survive by disobey? You know, that scripture here, eh? I think we should read it. Every time I get there, it pains me. It pains me. For a long time, I used to feel that, God, why will you do this? Why will you let this man get away with this? This guy lied to this man, and you allowed him to die. First Kings chapter 13. For time's sake, please. 
I'll rush it. It's a story about Jeroboam. When God was angry with Jeroboam, he sent a young prophet to Jeroboam. Now, for time's sake, you can read it later. And God had said to that young man, you will go to Bethel, you will go and cry or prophesy against the altar that is there. You will say to the altar, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you. And he said, he did all of those things. And Jeroboam, and then God had told him that, listen, the way by which you go, don't return by that way. When you get there, don't eat, don't drink. Do your business. If you came into the northern gate, go out to the southern gate. Do your business and leave. The young prophet, he observed that accurately. He prophesied the power of God was manifested. Then when the king, because the king had his hand, all right, destroyed by disease instantly. But when this man prayed for the king, the hand was restored. And the king said to him, come home with me. Let me, come and relax. And he said, to, he said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you. Nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying you shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Now, that is not his main story. That is the preamble. The main story was that there was an old prophet. Let me tell you how you know old prophets. It's not about age. They have become connected with power. I don't know whether you get my point. So much that God doesn't speak through them against anybody again. They have just have routine. They have stories to tell of how ministry started like 35 years ago, 40 years ago. They have become very prosperous. Everything is established around them. Except that if you have descending spirits, anytime they speak, you can easily identify this man is an old prophet. That he doesn't have a modern, should I use the word, relevant word for today. But he's very connected. The king has high regard for him. He has never, that's another thing. He has never rebuked the king, even though the king is always doing what is wrong. He was there. They were sacrificing on a false altar. People who were not priests were consecrated as priests. God did not speak to him. He was a prophet. But listen to this. He said, now an old prophet was living in Bethel. And the sons of the prophets came and told him everything that happened. They asked them, where, which way did, please, I'm jumping this soul at the same time. Which way did he go? And they told him. So he told them, saddle the donkey for me, I'm in verse 13. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to me, him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. Then the man said the same thing again. I cannot return with you nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. The old one said to him, I am a, I'm also, I also am a prophet like you. 
And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. The Bible says, but he lied to him. Anyone who's contradicting the word of God that you know is lying to you. He's lying to you. One day I went to preach somewhere. Somebody whispered to me, say, please, he has a message for me. I said, what is it? He said, the senior pastor said that this message I'm supposed to preach today is so as to help them raise money for what they're about to do. I asked him, I looked at him, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, go ahead. I said, is your head correct? He was surprised. I asked him, God is my witness. What I can't remember is whether I spoke it in English or in Pidgin English. So was that I asked him, is your head correct or you decrease? He said, it's just a message I'm delivering. I said, don't you look at people before you open your mouth and talk nonsense in their presence? So those of you who want to die early, you can come and preach. Oh. I have a wife, you know, like I always say as a joke, I said, the one that pains me most, the under man will not marry my wife. In heaven, I will not say to. <laughs> I said, I better leave that side, though. Leave that side. I will use the word of God <laughs> to donate my wife to somebody else. What kind of madness is that? I said, no, thank you. He said, but he lied to him. Many people have been lied to every day. <laughs> one day, one of my very dear sisters told me what her pastor told her. He said, madam, please be praying for me. That was it. What happened? He said, I don't know whether God is angry now. I don't know what's going to happen to me one day. He said, why? He said, because when I want to preach the word of God, I will get a message from headquarters that I should remit money. That will actually happen that weekend. The young man said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because this one I'm doing, I know God will be angry. I know how to handle such things. I will remit your money, but I will not change what I want to preach. If at the end of the day, I look for money, the one I feel remit, I go remit. He says, it's not complete. He says, oh God, we are, we are not a mining company. <laughs> we don't sell down goat cement. We don't drink crude oil. Nigerian gas pipeline does not flow through here. The only thing that comes is offering. Is that not so? Hey, we have gathered all the offering. If it's not complete, what can I do about it? Let me tell you the truth. Before you get too bold like me, let me just tell you first, they will sack you. <laughs> so don't think you just be bold and nothing will happen. It is that sack people don't want. It is that sack people don't want. So before you just get up on Sunday, yeah, I will not agree to a lie again. Just get ready. They are going to fire you on Monday. They will post you to where you will suffer. <laughs> there are branches where you will suffer. Well, thank you. Welfare churches. That you, the posted pastor, is richer than all the members put together. But you know what? Oh, let me just let you know ahead of time. And God will not deliver you. He will allow you to be posted there. He will allow you to suffer small. He just, it's called the trial of your faith. Then they will post you back, tell you what to preach again. If you refuse again this time, they will fire you permanently. Then you will decide whether you were called to ministry or you were not called to ministry. 
He said, but he lied to him. The story about it is this. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table because he went back with the man. That the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. That was the one that annoyed me. I said, God, listen, we have to discuss this matter. That is why I tell people, no matter how credible a man is, if he says anything that does not fit the word of God, I don't care how credible you are, I walk away. I was telling my wife, you know, was she discussing about it yesterday? Just remember, just telling her stories of those days. One day I went to a church, the man of God had blessed me so much, I went back again, he blessed me so much, organized a meeting for ministers, I went again. Then he preached some fantastic doctrines. Ah! I disagreed with, he made four points, I disagreed with all four. The whole day I was there. So I went back, I was looking for one of my colleagues, one of my friends, who's a, 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 a good Christian and a preacher. Finally I found him, what were you doing? He said, he closed work, so I said, please, I'm waiting for you. When he came, I put the four points down before him. I said, you know where I went now? He said, I know. I said, these are the four things I was told today. I said, I'm sorry. I disagree with all of them. So he looked at them. He said, yes, now. He, he was giving me scriptures to support what I said. I said, so you think I'm all right? Eh? He said, yeah, I think you're all right. So between the two of us, we agreed to disagree with the man of God. Why? Not, nothing personal. Scriptures. Like I always say, I had a Bible before I met you. It's true. Let's continue reading. The word of the Lord came through this man. And he cried to that man, the young prophet. Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not obeyed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. Let's make a long story short. This man left and he was leaving. Verse 24, a lion met him on the way and killed him. Let me just say what I was saying before. No human means the cover over your head. Get into your house and pray. God will answer you. I hope you're getting my point here. Don't be afraid to disagree with a big man of God. He can be confused. There's a problem. There are prayers I pray for myself because I know when you become old as a prophet, and old is not about age. You know, I've established that before. There are many things that make you an old prophet. An old prophet can be confused. And one problem with all confused prophets is that they mislead the young prophets and the young prophets die. Sometimes just run for your life. A word they say is enough for the wise. I'm sure I'm speaking to some people who need to hear this this season. Because I took that tangent to just to, you know, it was not the main thing I was trying to explain. Just trying to let people know that the wrath of God is going to be revealed against all forms of disobedience. In the church and outside. And it is not the gospel of Jesus. The one that tells you that the grace of God covers that. It's not true. The grace of God is the reason why we can do what others that did not have the grace. The grace of God is why if I take a second wife, the church will scatter. But David took six, seven, eight, 
I'm sure there were more than 10. And it was a man after God's heart. Why? He, did, he didn't have the grace that I have today. So the grace that I have now makes God not refuse, not accept to overlook any form of immorality in my life. Because he said, no, Banky, I gave you too much grace. That I gave you too much grace. What would be your excuse? The girls were too sexy. What's all the grace I gave you for? That's what he said. He said, don't you understand? Where grace, where sin abounds, what happens? Grace much more abounds. What he means is that no matter how corrupt the society is, if you go with my grace, I will give you enough power to resist it. Grace does not mean you are, you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> if you just get there, you can't help but take bribe. You can't help but commit adultery. The thing is just all over the place. God said, I will kill you. Why will I kill you? For bribery and for adultery. Why? Because you had the grace to resist it. That is the meaning of where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But you see, rubbish doctrine people preach is that because we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The, 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 the anger of God is not directed against you. <laughs> it's directed at the cross. I've heard it okay. He died at the cross. The anger of God is against the cross. Amen. Brethren, it was until you gave your life to Christ. God said, you of all people, of all the families of this earth, have I chosen for myself. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquity. That's why I said, judge yourself so you will not be judged. Because he knows there is judgment. He said, if we see willfully, after receiving this knowledge of truth, he said, the sacrifice of Jesus does not cover that one. Listen, you will die if you continue to believe that lie. It is because you love iniquity. It is not because you read your Bible. They tell you, once you are saved, you are always saved. Listen to me, you will die and go to hell. Better wake up to reality and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What nonsense. I'm talking about the anger of God. Being revealed. Listen, the God we have to do with is a just God. He provided so much grace for his children. Therefore, he punishes them for their iniquity. You know, when we couldn't take it, the examples were too clear in the scriptures. We decided to say no. Ananias was not a Christian. Sapphira was not a Christian. Please stop repeating that lie before the Lord makes you an example. What is the point I'm trying to make? With God there is kindness and with God there is severity. Now back to the main thing. All of this is preambling. You know, I always said that Either God is alive or is dead. Our God is slow to anger. The Bible never said he never gets angry. He says what? Slow. He's slow to anger. Just slow. It's not true that he never gets angry. Just that he's slow. Before he gets there, it takes a long time. But the problem is that eventually he gets there. And let me just really say this, because this is so crucial. You know what the Bible says? Jesus himself said it. He said, the father judges no one, but he has committed all judgment to the son. And Peter said to Cornelius, that he solemnly charged us to go and testify that he is the judge of the living 
and the dead. He told John, I have the keys of death and of Hades. I want to say something here. <laughs> People would sometimes say it's the blood of Jesus. I want to emphasize that it is the Jesus that is the judge. <laughs> it's no longer a time. It's not, the time is not that he will protect you from the Father because he died for you. He said, now, I am the judge. I am the one you have to face. And go and read Revelation, the letters to the seven churches. He made it clear that he was taking charge. What I'm saying is that because people kept on saying things like, because the blood of Jesus has been shed, there's no judgment on the earth again. I've heard preachers preach it. They repeat it so much I stopped listening to them. Because I said, this is not true. My proof again is I just read your Bible. Jesus, by himself, shortly before his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, which he knew that this was to take away the sins of the whole world, he said to them that Jerusalem will be judged. He said this was going to happen. They have blood they've shed in the time of Abel to the time of Zechariah the prophet. He said that all that blood will be, will be no, they will answer for it in one day. He said, but before that happens, we need to fill the cup of their iniquity to the full. We'll give them more prophets. So some of you are going to go out as prophets, and they will still kill. He said, then judgment will come upon Jerusalem. Now, the point I want to make is this. The judgment came after his resurrection. How come his blood did not take it away? I'll tell you, because it could not. It was not designed for that. The blood takes away the judgment of people who repent. So when they killed more of his disciples, when they killed more of his prophets and apostles that he sent, they activated the judgment from the blood of Abel. And therefore, 70 years after his resurrection, the Romans came in and killed everybody they could find that was moving around in Jerusalem. They leveled it Leveled the mountains, uh, so the houses, leveled the temple, leveled everything they could find. If my, if what I want to say is accurate, the temple, you know, you see them praying on what they call the temple wall. Are you getting my point? Today. <laughs> That's not the temple. The Romans removed the whole, from, <laughs> the whole temple. That's what they call the temple mount. The words of Jesus were fulfilled. But my emphasis is that this was after his death and resurrection. So anybody telling you that because Jesus died, there's no judgment again, explain that. Except there is repentance. The sin committed before the death of Jesus is woken up. And people are judged for it today. People don't know how the, the way the, the blood of Jesus works. Now, I was saying something. God is either alive or he's dead. Indeed, Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. And he's a judge. And they insult him every day. The world insults him every day. They deny him, take away his glory. One day I was watching um, one of these uh, channels on DSTV. And I pointed to my wife that even in ordinary African movie, if they use the word God, they will silence it. You hear him? Hey, God. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, why should I be giving these people my money? I said, this is just, you know the way you do African movies. 
Someone will say, ah, God will help us. You hear? We will help us. Maybe a woman delivers. He say, thank, you hear? Thank me. Oh. In a drama, your friend comes to your house on your birthday and say, hey, John, how are you doing? Praise God. You hear? Pray him. Listen to me. God is marking every pin down. He is marking it down. He's marking it. See? That finger with which you are pressing the key that's doing the pin is going to pay. You can follow the lying prophets that tell you that I don't collect my payment. Be following them. They, you and them will die together. And listen to me. If you lie to people, you still rebellion against God in the heart of sinners so that they cannot repent of their sins. The day of your judgment, you go with it. The day of their judgment, you go with it. Sometimes when me and my classmates are chatting, we talk about sinner climbs, sinner climbs. I say, climbs where things are sinner than it is in Nigeria. I say, first, you don't know what they call sinner climbs. One of my brethren the other day, <laughs> somebody wrote something. He now said, it's unfortunate we cannot share this in our offices. This was in, in the UK. And I, I laughed on that brother. I said, that's what they call sinner climb. In Nigeria, I can share lunch hour. Angelus, <laughs> what we stop? <laughs> The Muslims will go and pray. We even make space for everybody to pray. Every meeting we start with praise God. Your boss is an adulterer, but you say, who is, who is, who is still opening prayer for this meeting? Now listen, you may say that, hey, what does that, listen, sin has category. Adultery is a bad sin. Okay? But go and read your Bible very well. It is not anything close to worshipping false gods. So God would rather that this God would say, what is that man? that man? I will punish him in his duty, but leave the company alone. But the one where they say there must be no prayer, nothing, God will say there's no problem. Say so science is what we need to say there's no problem. I will give you something that even science will deny you. I hope you're getting my point. I will leave you to yourself. Say, go and solve your problem. And I'm telling you what, now let me see what I want to say. Coronavirus is not from the pit of hell. Hear the word of the Lord. The God of the heavens and the earth is angry. But that's not the point. The point is that this is not even, this is a warning sign of what he will do. He has not started. Like they say in America, you ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen anything. This is my personal conviction. It's not a prophetic word. This is, it will pass. I don't know how long. Maybe next one year. I don't know. To pass. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Concerning the one that will come to replace it. But I don't know when that will be. The answer, the question is why? And the answer is simple. They have insulted him again and again and again and again and again. And if his deed is alive, he has to answer. And we keep on talking about last day revival, last day revival. Those of us who are Pentecostals who believe in the last day revival. Listen to me. No revival shows up until first God has shaken the earth. 
It is when he shakes the earth that people, thank you, that the fear of God will arise in the hearts of people. The one you now say, repent and be saved. They will pay attention to you. But in their prosperity, they don't listen. In their prosperity, they don't listen to They don't listen to him. So you see even Christians who say, start talking nonsense. That Japan does not pray, they are developed. This one does not pray, they are developed. Hear the word of the Lord. The anger of God will arise against everybody who you have bragged that they don't pray. And I will show you the consequences of people who don't pray. And my wrath is against them. You hear Christians talk, you can't believe it. He said, we pray too much. We pray too much. I want to hear Christians say it sometimes. Listen, the only time I, that makes sense in my hearing is when you say, we pray, we don't repent. It makes sense. But if you want to imply that it is because we don't pray, that we pray too much, that we don't have good roads, that we don't have good infrastructure. Listen, stop talking that nonsense. Otherwise, the God of heaven will shut your mouth permanently. Anyway, your eye is about to see what it does to those who do not pray. How does the plague stop? That was my message. Because you see, we can't do what is right when we give the glory somewhere else. I know we are very funny. You know, we don't love God. Many of us believers, we have no respect for Him. We don't have any respect for Him. Let me ask you a question. Assuming your father, earthly father, okay, was a colonel in Nigeria Army, he's standing there. Listen to this. He has two of his, what do they call those? Is it back men or those people? Those oddlies with him. Okay, let's assume he's a general. They are armed. All right? And then, maybe he's wearing mufti. And they're also wearing mufti. But they're escorting him out. Then mistakenly, he runs into, maybe he decides to drive his car. He jams somebody's car. And the person comes out and he starts insulting him. Maybe your father is saying, oh, I'm so sorry, it was an accident. He said, what kind of say, you stupid, all this. Then he grabs your father's uh, shirt. And he starts pushing him. You know, you start begging the man, please stop, please stop. I don't know what I get the point. At this time around, you're already panicking. Oh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Please, please. You have two seconds to stop this nonsense. <laughs> because you are seeing his two oddlies coming down. And they are approaching. <laughs> Maybe they were in the vehicle behind. As they are approaching, they say, oh, more. Well, why? A number of reasons. One, you understand the power. You understand the authority he commands. And the people around him. So you know that kind of insult. They can't watch him take it for long. You know. But when it comes to the God of the earth, people insult him every day. You know, under Barack Obama's um, tenure, once they painted White House in the rainbow color of the LGBTQI, you know, people. And there was something that Sadhu Salvarai said. He said, that was the day Americans turned and gave God the finger. And those of us who understand me to give the finger. He just told God, basically, to hell with you. He said, that day, God marked it down. We tell the whole world our God is good. We don't tell that he's just. 
We pack our load and rush to where everything is comfortable. And they tell us, here, don't say there is God. We will teach your children that have been homosexual, marrying homosexuals is correct. Like one of our uh, brethren said that the teacher, uh, the son in school said, um, when he grow, grows up, he will marry his friend. Assuming his name is Sam. He said, I will marry John. The mother said, why? He said, after all, the school principal is married to another woman. And we brag, sinner climbs. Whether you pray or not doesn't matter. If you know how to arrange your society, you will prosper. That's what I mean by we don't love God, we don't fear him. We can't tell people that you've insulted my father enough. He has power and he has powerful guards around him. They will react to. They've called your father names. They've shoved him. They've slapped him. And you are telling them, oh, he's a calm God. He's a calm daddy. He doesn't do anything that is wrong. He just loves you. The Bible never said so. I don't have time to teach about that now. The scriptures never said so. The Bible says against the wicked, the Lord has indignation continually. Where do you read that he loves them? Say what the, for John's, for God so loved the world. He said this was how God showed his love for the world. He gave them his only begotten son. So that they will not perish, but they will have what? Everlasting life. He that does not believe, what did he say? Is condemned already. What are you talking about? Why do they tell people that you are condemned already? And you say a pandemic, you've seen nothing yet. You will see worse things. You know, they have a saying in Western Nigeria. They said anyone who will do what nobody has done before, we see no, what nobody has seen before. And they meant in a negative way. Ah, You want to do what nobody has done before? Get ready for the consequence nobody has ever experienced. As a little boy, I heard stories in Bible knowledge classes, which I did not know will happen in my lifetime. Basically, this world has done what nobody has done in recent times. And hear the word of the Lord, they will see what nobody has seen in recent times. I hope you are getting my point. Please, let's understand it. People are having all kinds of arguments. That it is 666 that are trying to take over the world. Whether it is 777, or 888, or 999, I really don't care. One thing I know for certain is that the anger of God has arisen. And only those, those who call upon him will be saved. Like when we were praying at the beginning, we are giving thanks for the, for the mercy he has shown to us in this nation and many African countries. And listen, the mercy will continue. Do you know why? Because we will continually kneel before him and give him his glory. I will not join those who say, this is from the devil. I'll say, God, you have arisen to judge the earth. Have mercy on us. At the beginning of this, one word came to my mind. One day I was praying. And it's simple. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, when they told us that um, the prime minister, of the uh, UK prime minister, has been taken to intensive care, I said, if somebody can give him a phone, let me talk to him here. He will come out in two days. And he'll be well. He said, what are you going to tell him? It's simple. Sir, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
That's all. I'm not planning to say anything. Just call on the Lord and bring forth right there. It will give you two days to go and do it, what I want to say. <laughs> go and bring forth deeds in keeping with repentance. And you'll be saved. Listen to me. Everybody waiting for scientists to do something will be disappointed. But those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's rest our feet. Let's call upon his name so we can go. Without doubt in my mind right now, God is saying, you know what I'm doing? I want people to know there is a God of glory who brought things into existence. Things did not come by accident. People can take my glory and give to demons from the pit of hell. That's their problem. They're just making life more difficult for people I'm calling to repentance. And I'm saying, tell your nation, if they continually call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. You are not being saved because you have black skin. I read it earlier today that the blacks were disproportionately affected in Chicago. 70% of those who have died in Chicago are black. Meanwhile, they are just 40% of the population. And it began to... So, your, the color of your skin is not protecting you. But hear ye the word of the Lord. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Take a minute and call upon him. Just say, Lord, you are the Savior. I want you to start with, Lord, you are the Creator. I feel that that one is so important to him. Acknowledge me as the Creator. That your life didn't come out of nothing. Your life did not come out of nothing. The earth you live on did not come out of nothing. There was no big bang for no reason. If ever there was a bang, I fired it. The laws of the universe, I wrote them and I set them in motion. Just give me that glory. Once, my co-workers and I, we traveled to Benue State to go and preach. And on the way back, we stopped to buy things on the road. And we saw fertile land. And we're just describing how fertile the land was. And I said something to them. I know what God is asking for. That's what I said that day. He just wants one word or one phrase. Thank you. We saw rich black land bringing forth fruit in abundance. They said they don't even have to plant the, the, the citrus fruits. They just keep growing. I said, all God is asking for is thank you. Let's tell him thank you. Let's tell him thank you. Let's thank him thank you. That is the only thing that will stay the plague. This is the censer that we must hold. This is the incense from the altar that we must put on our censers and wave. It's a censer of gratitude. It's the incense of thanksgiving. With our mouth, we raise up our voices and we say to him, Lord, thank you. You are the God above the whole earth. There is none like you. We say to him, there is none like you. Jesus, you are alive. You came to this earth and died for my sins. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Let's call him by his name. That is the incense. That is the censer we wave with the incense rising up before his throne. That is the acceptable sacrifice. There was a time, like we said earlier, at the threshing floor of Arana, David offered a sacrifice because God called for it. This is the word of the Lord. The sacrifice I will accept now 
is acknowledgement and thanksgiving. What is the sin of the world? Please, enough of worshipping the devil. Christians have joined them to worship the devil. When calamity calls upon them, the Bible says, has the Lord not caused it? They will say, no, not he. Not he. We will fortify our, our barriers against tsunami. God said, so will I bring you tsunamis, the type you have never heard of before. He said, we will build our building so strong, an earthquake will not be able to break it. God says, so I will break the building without an earthquake. Because I'm the God of all flesh, and there is none like me. That's what he said. What is my sacrifice? It's thanksgiving. It's giving me the glory that is due to my name. That is my sacrifice. That is my sacrifice. And I say to my people, enough of worshipping man. Why do you regard man whose breath is in his nostrils? If you see a white man in the country he builds, you will lie to get there. You will worship because he's like God to you. I will show you that man, his breath is but in his nostrils. And if you have discernment, you will see that what this disease is doing is taking breath from people. They just can't breathe anymore. That is it. Look, that is, <laughs> he calls for his sacrifice. You don't offer to God that which he did, not, he did not call for. You cannot offer to him what he did not call for. He said to Abraham, give me your son Isaac. That was what he asked for. He would tell them, you will take a lamb, a year old. You will get me a haifa. You will take a bull, three years old. He always described his sacrifice. And David said, if it was sacrifice we are looking for, I would have offered it. He said, but what is this sacrifice? You want a contrite spirit. You want a humble spirit. And today he is saying to the world, those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. How do they call upon him? Let them wave that censer, filled with thanksgiving, with acknowledging God as creator, with knowing that even the devil is afraid of him. Yes, my people have magnified the enemy. They have magnified Satan. They have called him all kinds of names so as to make the true God look inconsequential. The God that cannot control the waves anymore. He can only stop the waves. The God that cannot kill. Anytime somebody kills, there is the devil. God said, I will take my glory. I am here to collect it back. He said, the longer you resist, the longer you will suffer. Yield and be saved. Says the Lord. Say, yield and you will be saved. Yield and you will be saved. Yield. Your salvation is in yielding. Wave that sensor of thanksgiving. Wave that sensor of thanksgiving. Fill it with that incense and let it rise up before the throne of God. That is the sacrifice that's going to stay his hand this season. Let's give the Lord thanks for truth. Please teach this truth to people. I'm not, I don't have time to quarrel with anybody, argue with anybody. If you want to continue to worship Satan, that's your problem. If you want to worship, you know, the Antichrist, or, or well, that's your problem. If you want to worship science, that's your problem. 
But I choose this evening to lead the people of God in worship. The worship of the true God. The word of the Lord right now applies. He said, if the earth suffers calamity, has God not caused it? When the people of Noah suffered calamity, had God not caused it? When Sodom and Gomorrah suffered calamity, did God not cause it? When Jerusalem suffered calamity, when northern Israel suffered calamity in the hands of the Assyrians, did God not send it? When Judah was carried away into captivity, did God not send those men against them? And when God arose and judged Jerusalem, was he not the one that judged? Did he not testify? Oh, we don't, they, oh, people don't fear our God. Lord, we are so sorry. Wherever you are, give him thanks. Don't argue with me. Just give him thanks. Just say, Lord, I am not a product of chance. Even if you did not know him before, and you just stumbled on this by accident, why don't you just get on your knees there and say, Lord, help me out. I don't know what they are talking about. If you really are there, talk to me. For people like you, you will be quick and they will answer you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the son of the living God. He is the living God manifested in flesh. Anyone that sees him has seen the father. To him has been given the keys of death and of Hades. He is a God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. He said, kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish out of the way. Everybody kiss the son right now by acknowledging him as Lord. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are the wisdom of God. By you all things were made. Without you was there nothing made that was made. Jesus, you are the father manifested before us. You are God in flesh. You came, brought the father for us to see. Jesus, you are the one that reintroduced us to the father. Thank you because you have introduced him to us as father. Our God and our creator, we now know him as father. Jesus, we give you the glory. We give you thanks. Kiss the son, the Bible says, lest he be angry and you perish out of the way. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish out of the way. Father, we magnify you. Lord, we lift up your holy name. We say amen. We say hallelujah.